Okay, so as I mentioned earlier, um, I'd like to continue this building a strong foundation of metta because it is really the wellspring that the other three qualities emerge from. And so before we go into another guided meditation, just a little bit about the interrelationship between insight practice and these heart qualities. And there's a lot that could be said about this, but one reason that I chose to explore the Brahma Vihara this weekend is that because in my own experience in the insight tradition, there tends to be, not surprisingly, a lot more emphasis on mindfulness and insight, what we could call the wisdom wing of the practice. And there's not nearly as much exploration of the heart qualities of the Brahma Vihara. And we can think of those as being the compassion wing of the practice. And this metaphor of the two wings to awakening, being wisdom and compassion, is one I use a lot in my own practice and in my teaching, because we can see from that metaphor that we really need both wings to be equally well-developed if we're going to metaphorically fly. But again, because we're in the insight tradition, the, the second wing of the compassion and all the Brahma-Viharas tends not to get as much focus. And in my own practice, it took a while to realize that these heart practices are not just nice complements to insight practice. They're actually crucial supports to help it to deepen. They're a way of keeping the heart and mind resilient and nourished and open and flexible and able to respond to whatever we experience even if what we're experiencing is unpleasant, it's possible to meet all of life's experiences with some degree of ease and acceptance. And as I'm sure you all know from your own experience, there are times on this journey, this spiritual path, there are times that are uncomfortable and challenging. But kindness, compassion, appreciative joy, equanimity, they're a kind of a refuge or a protection they protect us from falling into unskillful reactivity so that we're able to respond skillfully rather than reacting out of old habits. So the Brahma-Vihara protect our insight practice and it works the other way too. There are times in Brahma-Vihara practice that obstacles come up. We might sit down with the intention to practice kindness or compassion and we find ourselves lost in fantasy or seething with resentment, or bored out of our brains, or numb, or shut down, or sometimes nauseated at the sheer goodness of it all. And this is not a problem. It's actually a sign that the practice is working. The Brahma-Vihara are designed to show us what gets in the way. And this is where we need to bring our insight understanding to recognize these obstacles that are getting in the way, they are impermanent. They come and go due to conditions. They don't belong to us. It's not personal. They're not who we are. They're not our fault. We can recognize these obstacles as simply thought patterns arising and passing away. We don't have to take them personally and identify with them. Oh, I'm such a cold person or I'm so judgmental or whatever. Insight sees that these are just conditioned patterns that 
arise and pass. We don't need to take them personally. So in this way, insight or vipassana protects the Brahma-vihara and vice versa. Okay, so that's just a little bit of context before we move on to some more meta practice. And I'm assuming that all of you have experience of working with the traditional reciting phrases method. And in that method, we tend to start with where the, we're invited to start with where the meta comes most easily and then extend it to more difficult people and eventually to all beings until eventually we're offering unconditional kindness to all beings everywhere, which I think for many people sounds like a pretty high bar, can be pretty daunting. And in my own practice, when I was first introduced to this method, I really struggled with it. Back then, due to all kinds of individual and family and societal conditioning, I was a pretty hardcore meta skeptic. And with hindsight, I think one of the challenges that I had with meta practice was the unrealistic expectations that I put on it. I believe that I was supposed to just sit down and conjure up out of nowhere some kind of oceanic bliss state of unconditional love for all beings everywhere. When in reality, my poor bruised and battered heart could barely tolerate being in the room with any other meditators, let alone sit with myself. And then when I couldn't just generate that imagined boundless kindness on command, of course, I judged myself and I tried harder and I forced even more, all of which was totally counterproductive. It took a while, but eventually I arrived at a few understandings. It just helped me to release that pressure. One was the understanding that metta is not an emotion to be manufactured, but an intention to be cultivated. So even if I was sitting in meditation and mechanically reciting the phrases with no apparent effect on the heart, that is still time well spent. Metaphorically, I think someone mentioned this last night, it's a bit like preparing the soil in our garden. We need to remove the rocks, we need to add compost, we pull out the weeds. And at some point, when conditions are ready, those meta seeds will naturally sprout. The second understanding that was really key for me was that these four Brahma-Vihara qualities are actually the natural state of our hearts and minds when we're freed from the grip of afflictive emotions. So it's not so much about trying to generate something foreign as about tuning into what's actually already there. Now, of course, depending on our personality and our life history and our social conditioning, these qualities at times may feel to be very distant and inaccessible. But as we learn to relax, and to attune to even the faintest signals of kindness, those signals get stronger and it becomes easier and easier to access them. So one metaphor I use for this is that of the Hubble telescope. So in my non-scientific understanding, this Hubble telescope is a massively powerful telescope and it's scanning the universe for galaxies and stars and other celestial objects that are too distant or too faint or 
ordinary telescopes to observe. And when I first read about this a few years ago, I thought that's like meta practice for me. It's like I'm tuning the Hubble telescope into the deepest, darkest reaches of my heart and looking for any sign of life, any signal of meta, no matter how weak or faint. And just the act of recognizing those tiny signals helps them to get stronger. And eventually they become so strong and clear, we don't need a telescope. We can just tune in to their signature energies. For some of you, that still might sound like a stretch, but that brings me to my other realization that this is a gradual development. It's a gradual training and we can't force it. So in the next meditation, I'm going to start with just easing into metta in a more embodied way, rather than jumping straight to the reciting phrases. And as a little bit we did last night, I like to start with just coming into the body and particularly to notice aspects of our experience that register as pleasant. Because this idea of resting and easing into metta, we want to see if we can tune into any ease or well-being first, and that might make the metta easier to, to access. So I like to do this by inviting us just to notice any sense-based experiences that might be slightly pleasant. And I emphasize slightly. So just, for example, maybe the warmth of the hands touching each other. Maybe the softness of the clothing in contact with your skin. Maybe you tune into the feeling of releasing and relaxing as you breathe out. So you're just tuning into whatever might be subtly pleasant. And if for some reason you can't find anything pleasant, then just noticing what's neutral. What I'm inviting you to do is redirect the mind's inbuilt negativity bias away from scanning for what's unpleasant to just notice pleasant or neutral. And then when we've developed some degree of ease, I'll just drop in a few suggestions to kind of flavor the awareness with metta. So I say flavor in the sense of it being like, almost like just a subtle fragrance that's in the room, but we're not trying to make it happen. It's just an energetic resonance of warmth, of kindness, of care without words or images or memories. And after you've rested in that for a while, then you can just let it extend naturally, or you can go to whatever meta practice you're used to, or you can just completely let it go. So that's the overview. And again, I invite you to bring this attitude of kind curiosity as we settle into some practice now. <laughs> 